All right, and we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I am Nasty Neil. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined here by the fine folks of Psycho Ape. We have Bill Whedon, Dr. Zumas himself. We have Nancy Banana, Kansas Bowling. Hi. Hello. We have Steve Albers, who is the ape, in the film. In the film. Addison Banak, the director. Hey, how's it going? Good. And Greg Delisso, who's uh, lots of hats in there. Cinematographer, editor, producer, many things. It's very good to have you all here. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, the very first question. Psycho 8, is this a true story? Yeah. Absolutely. I... It was very, very slightly fictionalized, but basically it's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Names were changed to protect the innocent. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you have to ask Addison, though. He was the, he was the one who really thought it up, right? I mean, that is true. <laughs> so it was true, right? It was, it was yeah, no, yeah, it's 100 percent true. <laughs> but I thought, I thought you did change names, but, but basically otherwise it's true. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it ripped right from the headlines. I know. I know. I know that my name came from Doctor Loomis from Halloween, which ultimately came from Psycho, right? Because there were the character in Psycho was named Sam Loomis. I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't Halloween aware of that. I'm a big fan yeah. of Psycho. I didn't even know. I didn't know that. Oh, well, you know that that actually that's probably true. <laughs> I think yeah. It's true. Yeah. Sam Loomis was played by John Gavin in Psycho. Donald Pleasance's character in Halloween was Dr. Loomis, Sam Loomis. And now I'm Dr. Zumas, so really we've come full cycle from psycho to psycho ape. Yeah, yeah, we've gone full psycho. Very cool. We have, yeah. And now we're on Zoom. My God, we are. We're on Zoom. Dr. Yeah, Loomis. Oh Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Fantastic. Perfectly. That's yeah. pretty weird. It is weird. It is very strange. And so the, the whole idea, though, did someone happen to have an ape suit? Is that, uh, is that uh, how the thing started? Yeah. Um, basically, about uh, three years ago, uh, a friend of mine had that ape suit, and he would wear it at Halloween parties and stuff like that. So uh, I had a dream one night that uh, I was filming him running around in the ape suit wielding a giant butcher knife. And so when I woke up, I just, because of the connection with a giant butcher knife, I thought, psycho. And then Psycho Ape, because he was in the ape suit. And even in my dream, you could see, like, the strings dangling off the back and everything. And I thought that was really funny. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he had, he had passed away about two years ago before okay. we really started. Uh, thank you. Uh, before we started filming the actual movie, we had written the opening scene of the film, though. The whole Slumber Party Massacre sequence. That was the only thing that we had ever actually written. Um, and so that's kind of what we went into this production with uh, and built on that. But I was able to retrieve his original ape suit and we just kind of went forward from there. Uh, Greg, were you involved uh, when they filmed the, um, the scene he was talking about? How early oh, on were you involved? We, we didn't, we didn't film anything. Uh, we just wrote that scene. Oh, I and see. That scene was written. Um, and that's what I kind of came to Greg with of just this basic, like I have one scene you know, let's build a movie around this one scene and we have an ape suit. Where do you want to go from here? Yeah. 
What did you think of the idea, Greg, when he comes to you with it? Uh, I remember you messaged me when you were starting, starting this and I thought, what the hell are you talking uh, about? I, so I'm trying to think, uh, Addison was, um, working as my assistant and this was like a few years ago. And, um, he told me about this movie idea psycho ape. And if I'm just being totally honest, I was just like, Oh, okay. I don't, I didn't really think much of it. And also as Addison just said, it wasn't like that much of an idea either. It was just kind of like a guy in an ape suit. And at the time he killed people with a, with knives and, um, you know, he just told me like, Oh, my friend, Jonathan and I, we came up with this idea. <laughs> and, um, really uh you know very tragically unfortunately when his friend uh passed away um i believe addison i don't want to speak for you but i think that you kind of like got kind of got the ape suit from him Mm. uh after that had happened and then yeah his parents allowed me to come over and take whatever i wanted from his room and that was really the only thing i wanted i wanted that ape suit right yeah um yeah and then uh i uh, myself, uh, a few months later after that, went through a, a personal tragedy of my own. Um, and so uh, Addison and I kind of were, uh, we had went to a, a film screening together, uh, totally unrelated, um, a couple months after that. And he kind of just asked me, hey, do you want to do this psycho thing together, this project? And um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, before that, I, I really had almost forgotten about it. I wasn't really thinking about it. I think Addison was doing his other things, rainy afternoon and, uh, whoop, um, hold on. Am I still there guys? Something just came up on my screen. I can't uh, see the big screen anymore. Anyway. Um, so sorry about that. I got cut off. Uh, yeah. So I, um, Addison had asked me, um, did I want to do the psycho ape thing with him? And, and uh, when we were both kind of grieving and, um, I said, yeah, yeah. sure. You know, I, 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 I looked at it as an opportunity. I, it's a li- it was a life raft for the both of us. Cause we were both grieving at the loss of, you know, our friends and loved ones. And it's just like, Hey, let's just strip away the, let's just strip everything away and make, this really stupid gorilla movie we're not, we won't take it seriously whatsoever. We're just going to make something really silly and dumb for no money. And we don't have to really like, you know, really think too hard about like the actual, like making a real, I don't know. It's a real like thought provoking piece. Like let's just make a silly gorilla film. And that seemed to work. It seemed to just, you know, spark these ridiculous ideas from the both of us just kind of coming together. And, uh, I don't know, just kind of the right thing to do at the right time, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kansas, how did, how did you get involved in the movie? Um, well, I, I knew of Addison and Greg from Trauma Stuff, and uh, one of them just reached out to me, I think Addison, mm-hmm. and asked if I'd be in it, and yeah, I said, yeah. <laughs> I never been to Detroit yeah. before, so. Yeah. She had sent me a copy of B.C. Butcher a couple of years ago, um, to do for my, I do a, I do a movie riffing show called movies to watch on a rainy afternoon. And, uh, Lloyd gave me permission to use BC butcher, but I didn't feel right doing it unless I got the okay from her first as well. Just, you know, I just, sure. it felt, you know, more right to actually ask the artist like, Hey, I've been given permission by Lloyd to kind of riff on it, but what do you think? And not only would she okay with it, but she sent me a copy in the mail. 
So, you know, cut to like three years later was when I, you know, when we were kind of piecing together the film uh, was when we, Greg and I and Steven reached out to her and thought like, you know, well, she should, you know, be in the movie. Yeah. Did you have her in mind when you were writing uh, Nancy Banana? I, I did actually, not Nancy Banana. Nan the character of Nancy Banana grew because she became involved in the production. Initially, you know, because I only had that opening slumber party massacre scene, that was kind of the only part of the film that she was going to be in just because it was the only scene that existed. Mm -hmm. um, but then when we found out that she was a fan of Hectic Knife, we basically wrote the movie around like having her and Bill and just, oh, we have these two people they seem interested in the project, you know, let's flesh out the script and give them a lot more to do. Yeah. I am as well a big fan of Hectic Knife. That's oh. how uh, I, Thanks, uh, I found Greg originally. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Hectic Knife, I, I think, when did it come out? 2016? It came out the same month as BC Butcher did. Yeah, yeah I, wrote, I wrote something at the end of 2016. They had a bunch of people ask what their favorite movie of the year was. I wrote something about Hectic Knife. I can't remember what website it was on. But Hectic Knife is awesome. I don't yeah. know if I ever saw. I, I can't. I don't even know if I knew you wrote something like. Was it like a? It was. No, or was it like you, just a you blur? Told me after I wrote it, you were like, "Thank you." We definitely use a quote from you, like as saying the best movie of whatever year it came out, sixteen. Yeah. Years. But you know, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, and of course, I love uh, BC Butcher, and and especially. Um, it's okay, uh, you know. her music videos and stuff too so yeah no we're just all you know kind of fans of each other for sure yeah um the, i could see some of uh the sense of humor from hectic knife in uh, in psycho ape especially with some of the dialogue like uh when you would use words over and over like uh, a teenage or oh, um <laughs> that was hilarious yeah or yeah. the uh, the sisters when when she keeps talking about you know three teeth were, were lost and very similar to to uh the dialogue i think in hecting i honestly think this movie is so funny it's just so funny i've seen it three times now it just made me laugh more well, one of the really interesting things that i'm sure greg might agree is that uh you know we had basic scenes kind of like in our outline, but no real dialogue written for almost anybody. Uh, so a lot of the dialogue really is like spontaneous and improvised, like camera gets set up, feed the people some lines and, you know, they just ran with it and made it, you know, funny. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Cause in my notes I was writing, it does come off like that. Like it's, you know, it's very spontaneity, you know, spontaneous. But uh, some things were so specific, like so much about Ratat the Ratatouille dialogue. I'm like, in a way oh, this yeah. has to be like written because there's like, no, it's not like uh, none of it. None of that dialogue yeah. is written. She was just doing that on the, on the set. We filmed the, a different scene. She, the, they're really sisters in real life. And, uh, she was just doing, she was just reciting this giant monologue on, on the set waiting to do her scene. And I remember just thinking that was kind of neat because it was so absurdly long. And right. I, I never seen Ratatouille before, but I liked the idea that she would just do that entire thing. Um, yeah, that was really, you know, but then the, the whole argument that they have is completely spontaneous. And, to, and honestly, it's real. Like it's, they're actually yeah. arguing for real. It's not. Like that. And it's much, much longer. You know, Greg just kept rolling, and you can see all the edits in there and stuff like that. And it, it was initially probably one long take, but it was like seven or eight minutes long, and then he cut it down to what it is. Yeah. I yeah. don't feel so bad now that I haven't seen Ratatouille either, since Greg <laughs> says you. 
I've seen it once. I liked it, but I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I assume know. one of you were just this huge fan, but interesting. No, no, no. That was just them. Uh, just her. Just her. Yeah. I wouldn't die on that hill or anything. I just <laughs> seen it. My daughter is so crazy about Ratatouille. She, she's going to love that scene. Yeah. I mean, it is a good I feel movie. like I need to watch it now. So. My daughter is like nuts about it. Uh, nuts about it. I, I wasn't that crazy about it myself. I, I like Toy Story. <laughs> I like Toy Story 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Toy Story Two. Toy Story Team Two. Toy Story Two. Yeah, that's the one I'm crazy about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? My question is a bit of an offshoot, but uh, Bill, I know that you're a friend of the show, so I was wondering how you know Neil. Oh, I know how I know Neil. Well, I I I've met Neil. <coughs> when I was a guest on the show a couple times, I've, I've met Neil, but then I met Neil in person. In North Carolina this year, in February, yeah. right before... Seems like forever ago, but it's not really that long ago. Yeah. Right, right before the world changed. We, we, we snuck that in. Um, I, I shot a film, uh, which is coming out when they can finish it, which is, who knows, because they have to do group scenes without masks. So when they can do that, then they'll finish the film. It's called The Once in Future Smash. And Neil is the co-producer. And Michael Epstein and... so. Sophia Cassiola, whom I'm sure you know, they directed it, and it's it's really cool. I, I I'm in it with Michael St. Michael's, the Greasy Strangler, and we play these two uh, very competitive people who are who. Well, I, I don't want to tell too much of the story because it's really weird and I and, it, and very surprising. So I don't want to tell too much about it, except that we both played uh, the masked killer in a very culty movie from the '70s, and. Um, mm. Which now which it's Tristan might know a little bit about that movie, yeah. I'm sorry, what would you say, Neil? I can't talk too much about it, but I think Trista might be uh, familiar with, with that cult film. Yeah, right, right. She might be. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. End zone two. So anyway, um what 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 I what I was what I was amazed with was how I got involved with Psycho Ape, which is just a, a pure coincidence thing. I I met I met Addison. Mm-hmm. In context of another thing, they were doing a screening of Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, this trauma movie that I was in, and um, and Addison was there, and we just hooked up. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I promise I wouldn't yeah. say anything about that, Addison. But we, we we stayed in the same hotel room. <laughs> yeah, that is true. He's <laughs> um, a good-looking man. I can understand, Billy. I was invited to this screening of Kabuki Man um, last it was like a, last April May, and uh, the guy who was coordinating the screening also was screening a project of mine. And they played Kabuki Man first. My project was second. Um, but then afterwards, like the, uh, the the person who put the whole thing together, you know, he had paid for our hotel room. But uh, you know, much to my surprise, it was me and Bill sharing the same room. Um, and, uh, so we just ended up, you know, hanging out all morning, basically until three o'clock in the morning, eating like subs down in the, you know, the lobby and everything and just chatting. And, um, I had told him, you know, what my, ne- what my next project kind of was, and he seemed interested, you know, we didn't really have anything like in stone because prior to this, Greg and I had bare bones scripts. It wasn't really anything. It wasn't really a script. It was just 14 ideas and a bullet point, you know, and it was like, you know, 
telling Bill, you know, well, it's this silly gorilla film called Psycho Wave, and it's going to kill people with bananas. Like, you know, and he, he basically just said, well, if you have something for me, let me know. So when I came home with this, you know, new friendship with Bill, I told Greg, and Greg pretty much was like, well, should he be Zoomus? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's make him Zoomus. Because <laughs> we didn't have anybody. And it was... It was an amazing experience. We, we, we took a road trip. All, all uh, one, two, three, four, five of us. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five. Took a ro- road trip from uh, from New York. We shot in New York, and then we shot in Detroit or uh, suburbs of Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we took a road trip, all five of us, from New York to Detroit, and we managed to stay friends all the way. Yeah, it was basically like a nine-day shoot, I think, with like a day off in between just to break up the, the, the driving from New York to... Greg in Kansas got to have Taco Taco Bell. <laughs> she had yeah. tacos, which I still talk about. <laughs> was that your first time ever having Taco Bell, Bill? I'm sorry. Was, was that your first time, time that you ever had Taco Bell in your life? I, I don't th- even think I had it then. It was the, I set foot at Taco Bell for the yeah, first, first time. Yeah, the first time you ever had Taco There. <laughs> but I remember, I still talk about Greg in Kansas and the ta- and the Beyond Tacos. It was so funny. I just, yeah, was, I, they were so, so into it. Yeah. <laughs> Kansas is such a taco fan. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a banana taco? I've had spaghetti tacos. Really? Sprouts tacos? I had a sprouts taco last night. Huh. It's very good, too. So you put spaghetti in the taco, I assume. Yeah, I did that. One of my birthday parties when I was in middle school or something, (laughs) we had spaghetti tacos for everybody. Interesting. And I I have to say, you brought the banana a few times. Uh, Definitely the best, best choice going with the banana instead of a knife. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the bananas in the in the yeah, in the well, violence, yeah. especially when they're used to cut people. Because that's so, I think that just it, it made it sillier, you know, because obviously there's no possible way that could happen. So I mean, prove I, you wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the banana would obviously mush upon impact, but the fact that it pierces flesh every time, um, you know, it was a better choice than just a regular butcher knife. Yeah, dismemberment by banana is pretty memorable. Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah, when filming in public, you know, if you're wielding <laughs> That's anything true. that even remotely looks like a knife, you're going to get in trouble or talk yeah. to or something. You're going to get stopped. Gorilla but uh, you know, if you're just running down the street with a you know a bunch of bananas, no one cares. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, talk about that, like uh, in public, did Kansas and and Bill when you're like in uh, Times Square or when you're when when you're chasing with uh, the ape? Did anyone say anything? Oh well, yeah, they did. And they were, I think they were fascinated with Steve as the ape. <laughs> Remember that, Steve? They, they, people would yeah, stop. there were a few people who stopped to like take pictures with me, with like I was one of the like Times Square characters. Like, <laughs> oh, like, the elbow yeah. One guy, when we were in that park. We're oh, doing. Yeah. We have their scene. There was a Shake Shack in the park, and the manager of Shake Shack came out. He was like a really big Hectic Knife fan. Yeah, it was funny because, yeah, and and I think Kansas got recognized. Um, he got recognized right away when we were in Times Square. As soon as we started rolling in Times Square. I mean, also, like, that's the way that the name Cowboy, uh, sorry, Cowboy got into the movie uh, because we um, we got out of the subway and he was standing right in front of us. So we just said, go with it. And he just uh, signed the release. So that's why he's in the movie, too. 
But yeah, no. She I was wearing that wig, and it, you know, she doesn't look like her wearing the wig. It's just some you know silly Wait, that's a wig. yellow wig. And this guy beelined straight towards her right in the middle of Times Square and was like, hey, are you Kansas Bowling? And that was bizarre because, I mean, we'd only been there for like five minutes and already like she got recognized in this like silly costume. It's so funny because in, in the wig, you don't look like you do, you know, I would, I'm not sure I would recognize you. You look amazing in that wig. That You look absolutely great. But, but I'm not sure I would recognize you. Yeah. But, you, look like it's really you look so fantastic in that movie. You just look so great. <laughs> I, just love, I just love looking at you. You're so, it's so fun. Yeah. The casting of the movie was so wonderful. The, 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 the newscasters... I'm a big yeah. fan of the newscasters myself. Oh, yeah, that's, that's Greg's fine. He, you know, he brought them in and, uh, you know, we kind of shot like just basically like what we needed. But then, you know, he tends to just leave the camera rolling. And that's when like the good stuff actually, the good stuff comes after they've already said their real lines. And then when it's all like improvised and ridiculous, that's what we use. Yeah, their their first scene when uh when he um when he's saying spit instead of a uh, shat or, or spat instead of shat. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, oh, this has to just be an actual, you know. Yeah, that was a flaw. Outtake I mean, that they put in, and it's pretty sweet. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the movie where it's complete outtakes, and Greg just has this way of capturing the outtakes, and you know he cuts it together in a way that makes it seem like it may have been pre-planned, but. Nine times out of ten, it wasn't. Greg, what, what, is, I, 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 I got to put it in here. Greg is a genius. He just, I, I, I think, I think so much of the the the, the charm of this movie, and the, and the humor is in the editing. It's just so amazing. I agree. Yeah. Bill, just, well, just, look, we we got really lucky to have uh, Bill and Kansas both. They were, uh, and, you know, and and Steve too. Let's not forget his performances. No, he's great. Yeah. Really it's hard movie. to it was, it's uh-huh. easy to forget that it's actually a guy it, like trying to emote I guess in an ape suit because you're seeing just an ape suit but he's he's in there and he's doing stuff like I, even I forget that that's me it's like there's so much uh, so, so much um, uh, I I want to say nuance but it, that's the wrong word but there's yeah. so much variety in your performance even though you're just in an ape suit you just i just get so much out of you it's a, i think it's an amazing performance like a weird miming performance but like in a in an ape suit and it totally reads yeah i think we were going for like a han solo and chewbacca kind mm-hmm. of relationship oh, yeah. where like i make some hand gestures and grunts then like kansas will say oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> how did it, how did you end up being the eight? Um, well, originally our friend Jonathan was supposed to be the eight, um, but because he passed away, I kind of fell into it um, because, like, they want uh, Addison and Greg wanted to make Psycho Ape, and because Addison and I are roommates, which is actually why I'm in the same room as Addison right now. Yeah, um, we just share the same living space, so. <laughs> Um, he got uh, just got ro- you know roped in like hey you're available you'll be around when I'm around we live together if Greg comes over with the camera that's very easy to film it, it just it, it was convenient so. yeah it was convenient and uh, I mean it just worked out you know and he was able to take time off work to come with us to New York and all this stuff so it just worked out 
That's great. Yeah. Where is the ape suit now? In the trash. Oh. <laughs> we, we kept the mask, but the actual suit. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, that that thing. It, it's gone to hell. It probably smelled pretty bad by the end, though, right? I mean, there was so much bananas and blood and stuff caked into it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the thing that stuck with it most was the uh, hamburger meat from the um, uh, the banana man. Uh, kill scene. Yeah, when like, the when the banana man's face gets eviscerated, all that ground beef got embedded into the gloves and the fingernails and stuff. It wouldn't come out, no matter how much. Like he he would soak the suit in the bathtub with like actual soap and water, and it, it wouldn't come out. And, and like I wanted to put it in the machine, but I was so afraid that it would just like be torn apart. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I should have just like gotten a washboard and just like cleaned it in the tub old style. <laughs> if you notice, I mean. It's pretty obvious, but that suit disintegrates throughout the film. I mean, right. it got ripped on the second day of shooting when he sat down and, like, the crotch and the leg seam <laughs> burst. So uh, there's nothing we could really do about that. So we just kind of, you know, you know, powered through it. But by the end of the shoot, I mean, that's, there was, that thing was barely hanging on by a thread. It, it was time to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tris, do you have another question? I'm wondering if the suit was comfortable besides all that. Uh, when I first tried it on, it was, uh, yeah, one size fits most, but I'm not most. So it was really snug. Uh, that's why it just tore on day two down the, down the crotch. Um, but, uh, even in the fall, it, when it's cold out, it gets toasty in that thing. <laughs> so like, uh, when we're in New York, um, like I, I'm sweating like crazy. Like that was hot and humid for us and we're not even in costume especially um that beach scene i mean everybody was you know sweltering hot and he was stuck in that thing you know for like an hour while we were filming on the beach and plus not only is he wearing that ape suit he's wearing that goofy hawaiian t-shirt on top of it yeah steve was a real trooper for that i i I try to i always give props to steve because i can't imagine how uncomfortable that must have been in this you know Times square when it's humid and muggy and it was raining when we were there a little bit and yeah that i I still thank you you know it's still it's like yeah he did a good job and it it must have not been fun to be in that suit but uh yeah the the beach one was the most uncomfortable one i confess i was a little grumpy for that one (laughs) because like i I was telling uh, you or addison's like okay we're gonna plan out what are we gonna do like let's like have the plan done like before you even put the suit on he wanted to execute it as fast as possible because he did i I don't blame him i wouldn't want to be stuck in that thing for that long but then, Greg, you suggested, like, hey, let's do, like, a like run across the beach uh, <laughs> thing. But I was not planning on that. So, yeah. but, like, I'm glad we did it um, looking back because seeing the footage, like, wow, that looks pretty good. So, like, okay, I'm less upset about that. <laughs> we had to get our Benny Hill uh, moment. Yes. Yeah. It was a very, a very uh, I, by the way, the, the music in that is good, and there's a lot of great music throughout the whole movie. The, the dance scenes, I like the music. And I, I really like uh, your kind of cover of um, of the song for Midnight Cowboy. Really yeah, that was all my, my, my friend Danny uh, Stilarski. I should shout out to him. Um, I've known him since high school, and uh, he did all the synth uh, music. So the the passage in the opening that kind of sounds a lot like The Shining, all the synthesizer stuff, really 80s stuff. He did all that. We've sat on the phone for 12 hours one day because this was during the quarantine so nobody could do anything, but we sat on Zoom and on the phone for 12 hours over the course of a Saturday and just did all that stuff. And I and he had never heard 
the the Midnight Cowboy song, so I had to show it to him on the phone and then walk him through the parody of the song. And I really, I'm really, really happy with how it came out because uh, if it, you know, if, you, if pe- for people that recognize it, it's really funny because it's such a yeah. lo-fi parody and he's got the, he does the wah-wah, you know, the, the singing thing. And it, it yeah, I'm, I'm like, big shout out to Danny. He really uh, elevated the movie. You've never him. heard the song before? No, he never had heard the song and I had to, yeah, we, all, yeah, we made that all up on the spot. I was kind of like, okay, it just got to be this acoustic thing and I need you to do this wah-wah. I had to show him the, that chorus where he sings that because it had to sound like it had to be the right wow. silliness to that parody to make it to make it recognizable and make it funny and make it work and he did a great job i was happy I with the rats a rizzo line because it's something i say <laughs> nor in normal life and a lot of people have no idea what i'm talking about so i was happy to, to walk in here you mean that, that one we're walking here yeah hey i'm walking here <laughs> yeah, yeah that was so funny dear. i can't just say that but <laughs> But I love all the parodies. There's so many parodies. I, I don't know. I lost count of how many lines and quotes. Yeah. We've said before that we've, we've like Greg and I to, and Steve to count the parodies, but it's such a daunting task that I, I really like have not climbed that it's, hill yet. There's over 50. I know that. Cause I went yeah, through it and I scanned it. There's so many. It's definitely more obvious than others. I mean, some of them are yeah. just flashing a cover of a DVD, but some of them are obviously like, you know, an entire scene from Inglorious Bastards or, you know, Shawshank or whatever. But no, it's de- there's definitely over 50 movies referenced uh, in the yeah. movie. And that wasn't like what we, we didn't set out to do that. That's just ended up what happening, what, what ended up happening, which is really weird because, I mean, obviously there was like, okay, we're going to do Halloween. That's obvious. We're going to do King Kong. That's obvious. Nightmare on Elm Street with the banana hand in the bathtub. That's obvious. But then once we started, like, filming, it was like, okay, now we're jamming in Muddy Joe Young, and now we're jamming in uh, Midnight Cowboy. And they just, once you look at the hour-long cut, it's like, wow, dude, we referenced so many movies. And movies that people probably haven't even seen, like the original Mighty Joe Young I had never seen it. I was it, actually I happy you got some movie. love because that was actually one of my mom's favorites when I was growing up and uh, I watched it yeah, many times yeah. as a kid. And we watched it's it not like a movie that gets uh, much talk. And we watched both, the original and the remake. We watched them both for the first time like a month before shooting just to pack in some gorilla movie references. And uh, like I'd never seen either. So that was, you know, if, if, if we had made this movie, I probably still wouldn't have seen either of those Mighty Joe Young films. I'm a big King Kong fan. I was the same. I, I grew up loving the original King Kong a lot. I used to watch it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. But, yeah, um, but, um, and of course, Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies, and they, they ref- of course, referenced King Kong, and then I remember being really excited about that as a little kid. But, yeah, no, I had never seen Mighty Joe Young. I, you know, Addison and I sat down, and we would watch, uh, we watched like John Landis's schlock. We, we, it was almost kind of like, we want to try to beat that movie. Like if we, cause it's like kind of so nothing. And we we're like, if we can make something as, as good or yeah. bad as this, then we're, we're kind of on the right track. That was kind of a goal. Um, I still think it's a fun fact that somehow Addison has never seen the original planet of the apes, which like blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. Still. Yeah. I've still never over. Seen. Yeah. The original <laughs> planet of the apes. I have not seen. However, I've seen the crappy Tim Burton remake, uh-huh. and like that was again just watchable. Something that we watched right before shooting, just to throw it in there, just to like have the knowledge of it. <laughs> one of the the original has one of the greatest endings in any movie, and then that one is well, one I know, of the worst. I know what the ending movie. is. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it parodied in Spaceballs, for God's sakes. But uh, so it's like I've seen that movie through parodies of the movie. I've never actually <laughs> right. seen the movie. 
that's a, that's interesting. Uh, Tristy, have another question? Kansas, you're obviously a filmmaker in your own right. So I know a lot of filmmakers that show up on days when they're just acting, and it's hard for them to uh, not be conceptualizing how they would be making the film. Is that something you grapple with, or are you able to just show up and be an actor? Yeah, I have a really hard time with that. I'm, like, really bossy. So, <laughs> you know, I have to, you know, I have to... Just- I have to say, I, it really helps because it was literally just us. Everyone that you're looking at in the Zoom, yeah, it was this is it. This is the crew, and uh, you know we're running around doing everything. So it, it really helped. I know it helped me personally a lot because um, just having another director on the set uh, just kind of made it all easier. Someone that already knows the ropes. I know that Kansas, you know, is used to doing also like guerrilla style filmmaking, no no pun intended, um, you know, style filmmaking and stuff too. So it, I, I thought it helped a lot uh, just to have someone else on set like that, that that knows how this all works. So, yeah. Yeah, I also just, I would say lines that I wasn't supposed to say, but a lot of them actually made it into the movies. So <laughs> yeah, cool. actually, one of my What's favorite improv, uh, one of my favorite improv lines is a line that Kansas said that Greg almost cut because it wasn't a close-up. But I, it was when she points to a banana and says, um, you know, don't they ever get dull? So and funny. it was just like an off the cuff <laughs> line, but he only had zoomed in on the banana and like not her face when she said the line. So he didn't think like it was worth salvaging, but I did. And I thought that, well, that's a funny joke. Who cares that her face isn't on the screen? She said the joke and pointed the banana. Just use that, you know, just put it in there. And, and, and that's one of my favorite, just, she just said that like, I didn't tell her to say it. Greg didn't tell her to say it. She just said it, pointing the banana. And to me, it's like, yeah, put that in the movie. I, Greg, because um, you guys mentioned that, um, you know, you used a lot of this, the outtakes and stuff. Like, how early on did you know you were going to do that? Was that something while you're filming? Oh, you're like, I think I'm going to use right this, away. or was it while you're right editing? Yeah. Definitely right away. When, when, so the newscaster team, who were also just absolutely amazing, we talked about them before. So the they're, they are local actors uh, here in Detroit, and I, I, I was friends with uh, one of them, and she brought um, the Grover, the, the other guy, with her, and we had never met him. And, you know, that whole news thing is so silly because you can, like, literally see that they're just, like, reading it off of a card in front of the camera and, like, the green screen is terrible. And it, as soon as – I think literally in the footage in that's in the actual finished movie, you can hear me hear us. in the background saying, like, yeah. let's just use this all. Yeah, it's all in there. Yeah. It's all he- – no, definitely. I knew right away that that, that was going to be one of the funniest moments of just letting that all happen. And of course, um, you know, my favorite scene is the, I mean, not to, I, Kansas and Bill did beyond amazing, but my, I have to admit my favorite part is the Ratatouille thing because that was all just real. And uh, I love the crazy anarchy of that. And it's really fun for me to try to um, figure out how to like construct uh, a scene out of something that's just total chaos. And I love that at one point you can see a guy smoking cigarettes on his balcony, like watching us in the background filming. Um, And it was, like I said, like we were saying before, it was just a real argument that they were actually having. And uh, you know, I love the fact that it breaks down and you see like Steve without the mask on, like just standing there, like on set and stuff. Um, but yeah, so all that stuff was like I, you know, if if it was up to me, that scene probably would be longer because I would just keep letting it go and go. Oh, oh my god! Um, yeah, I, I, love, I love 
I live for that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, so especially in a movie like this that can just be so free form and doesn't have to rely on a plot to get by or anything. Um, I have a lot of fun with it. But at the same time, I, you know, I should say, you know, there, we, there was stuff in there that was written. I mean, I remember when we did the Inglorious Bastards scene, um, you know, I think I scribbled the, I think I watched that scene on YouTube and scribbled the lines into like a notebook right before we, you know, did it, but it was still written. And there, you know, the slumber, like Addison said that, that uh, he and his friend Jonathan wrote the slumber party scene uh, coming into it. And we, we definitely wrote, um, you know, a lot of the, like the jokes at the, and in the King Kong parody and stuff. So it was, it was, it was roughly half and half. There was stuff that was written, but no, uh, pretty much all the times when there was a weird outtake thing, um, that's when I got most excited and was like, yeah, we're definitely leaving this in the movie. That's going to, yeah. you can hear us laugh quite a few times in the yeah. movie. <laughs> and um, I never said to like clip out that audio or anything. Like I just, I wanted it to be there. I mean, it's the kind of movie that uh, revels in, the outtakes and the flubs and it's like just put all that stuff in there because this movie is clearly a, about a killer gorilla but it's a guy in a costume with the strings dangling off and you can see his sneakers in almost every shot that he's in why would you cut out the giggling in the back who cares uh, it is a an enjoyable movie to watch uh, i know both of you um you know we're going through a hard time and you're making it and it was something uh, like you said earlier, you know, to get your minds off things and just something. Yeah, it was just, and it really comes through. And I think right now, I mean, you couldn't have played and that would come out during the pandemic, but um, yeah, the yeah. viewers, you know, they might not be going through the same thing, but people, you know, want something just fun to watch. And I think it does that for people. At least I would think it does. Thanks. Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I can't speak for anyone else. And of course all of our situations were just unique, but I know for me personally, um, it was like hugely therapeutic to just like get out of the house again and start making something. And, um, like you said, I definitely, the silliness of it helped me, um, through the early grieving process. Um, which, uh, yeah, I felt I, you know, it was, it was kind of so soon after my tragedy that we started. And once we started uh, shooting, I at least felt like I had, um, you know, something that I was doing and it was f always fun to be on, on set. And like Bill was saying, you know, the, the road trip that we had was just so much fun and really got me, got me out of Michigan, got me out of my head and, and into doing something else. So yeah, I, um, yeah, it was really therapeutic for me for sure. And I, I'm glad that that comes through on the screen because I think that's 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 I, I think one of the phenomenal things about the movie is that this very hysterical, I think hysterically funny movie uh, grew out of a couple of personal tragedies. It just, that's, that's yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's definitely a weird sort of like, you know, like on one hand, we were only making it to get out of our own funk. But then the movie itself is like silly and fun. So you don't get that. You don't see that at all. I think people, when they go through personal tragedies or something like that, maybe they sit down and write like a depressing script or a drama or something. And for me, it's the opposite. It's I want to get, I want to surround myself with as much silliness and weirdness as possible. So I can, you know, break free from whatever's going on in my head that is like serious. If the film takes off and becomes the cult classic that I think it should, then that's going to be part of the mythology. Yeah. It was born from tragedy, which is, right. you know, uh, that's unfortunate, but um, it is true. It's 100% true. 
Oh, and then we should also mention that in Detroit we got to see Kansas's films. We 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 had we had we had a night of watching Kansas's films, which was so much fun. Oh, really? Yeah, awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a she. You had a you had an evening of your of your films, including one starring Iggy Pop. Yeah, I did a screening in Detroit. This place called I think the UFO Factory or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, where they screened a bunch of music videos I directed. It was really fun. I and I, you know, I uh, met Nick who helped put it on, who I'm still friends with, and Greg just had a screening with Nick, and it's all cool. Yeah. yeah. I want to say Kansas is legitimately one of my favorite uh, music video directors uh, ever, and it was really cool to see all her movies at the UFO Factory. It's fun. Yeah, she screened a whole hour long block of oh. uh, all her. All her uh, music videos or not maybe not all of them but you know yeah just a handful but if anyone wants to check them out I, you can they're all on my website all, all of my favorite ones at kansas-bowling.com you can google it you'll find it all right very cool yeah i'll check those out myself one uh, of our scene the the inglorious bastard scene was was filmed in my apartment in new yep. york oh really yep. that was funny because we were kind of like uh we, we were running around new york shooting and then we were kind of landed at Bill's house to like take a break um, just from filming. And we didn't even plan. We didn't, you know, we kind of had to ask Bill's uh, lovely wife who uh, was gracious enough to let us uh, film in her apartment. And I was kind of like, uh, come on guys, we got to keep shooting. You know, we, we got to shoot more stuff. We're only here for four days. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's when I, every, you know, we kind of were like, everybody was just taking a break from, from running around Times Square and shooting. And I, like I said, I just started scribbling, the scene itself into this notebook that we had, which was, I, I watched the opening of Inglourious Bastards on a phone and then was like figuring out, Oh, what, what jokes can we do? What, what line should I, you know, cause that original scene in Bastards is like, you know, classic Tarantino. It's like 15 minutes long or 20 minutes long or something. And I want, you know, to condense it down to uh, a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but it was super fun. And then yes, thank you very much, Bill, for letting us do that. I always think it's fun in the movie too, because, um, it take like you're in the the location where you first see Nancy is my old house. And then it just cuts and you're in Bill's apartment and it doesn't like matter, but you're just in a completely different place. Like it makes no sense. Like it just cuts to a totally different room and it's supposed to be like the same place, but it really doesn't matter at all. I don't think anybody even notices that. And I'm chasing them on the beach and suddenly we're in Times Square. (laughs) (laughs) It's irrelevant. That's the sort of thing I liked about making the movie was basically if you had to think too hard about something, then it's like, no, let's throw that away. Like just stop thinking and let's just do it. And it's going to be funny and weird. Like who cares? And because um, in Bill's apartment, you can see like he's got like a little caricature of himself in the background. And <laughs> then you see the Kabuki man, the faded Kabuki, the Kabuki man poster on the wall. And so it's like, OK, we're they're clearly filming in Bill Whedon's apartment. Like they're, <laughs> they're not disguising that fact at all. Right. And and on the wall of the slumber party, there's this 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 poster for a movie that I, I researched. And <laughs> Grover is in it. Uh, the, the other side of the shadows. Oh, he is? is? Movie? That's no way! Crazy. I didn't know that. That's really funny. Yeah, that poster, right? That's yes. really. Someone gave that poster to me. At the that screen. was a freebie. Yeah, and they were like, "Can you can you put this poster up in your the movie you're acting you in?" Were like, you the one who brought it, Kansas? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone gave it to her, and so we stuck it on the wall. <laughs> well, that's. That's a huge coincidence. I assume Grover was the one who gave it to you. No, no, no. I don't think Grover knows that it's in the movie or anything. I, no. 
Because he's, 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 he's one of the stars of it. It's a short film. It's no a short way. Film. Yeah. Look at you got to get that. That has a whole other layer to the whole thing, the whole joke. Now, now like IMDb trivia, Bill, you got to get on the trivia on the IMDb. Put that in, there. in my apartment, which was a, a, a musical I wrote way back in the 70s, which was a two performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's in there, too. And those are just more references to things like, you know, just, just bizarre references to things. Yeah, yeah. Don't say bits. Well, that's funny. That's just like a happy accident. But... Yeah, I, you know, I don't think any of us actually looked up that film. I, did. I certainly I didn't. I'm that, I'm that kind of geek. <laughs> you looked it up and you discovered Grover is in this. And then it's like, wait, he's in the movie, our movie, too. He's in, he's in the poster. He's in the movie that's uh, the poster on the yeah. wall, and he's in the movie. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't have to look that up. Grover is. Yeah, I'm not sure who Grover is. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. oh I, he, all right. Yeah, awesome. he's the guy that goes off on the rant about like shat versus yeah. shit. Yeah, I'm, so, a, I'm a big fan of his work actually from the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, something suave theater in the chat uh, says, "Hey gang, really love the movie. Any hope for a Psycho Ape two? <laughs> that would be great. I, I mean, I'm up I don't it. know. <laughs> it was it was tough just to finish this one, just because of all the different. Uh, you know, Greg's camera. I, you know, that thing is on its last legs. Um, it almost ate a tape, like it." it Day one of shooting in New York, we almost lost that whole first day of shooting because the tape got stuck. So terrifying. Yeah, I, I so it's a it's a Panasonic DVX 100B. Um, you know, if anybody's a fan of Arrested Development, it's the camera that shot that show. Uh, pretty much every documentary made between around 05 and 08 are all shot on that camera. Um, I used Hectic Knife to use that and to make that you know to make i made made hectic knife on that same exact camera um i bought it back in 2005 or six um and yeah it's the you know it's, it shoots on tape you know mini db tape and it's not hd and um it's well beyond its uh tape uh revolutions number that it's supposed to, you know that it, that it can supposedly handle it's been to the uh, show, uh twice and a yeah, little flap on the side during our last shoot had to be held together with masking tape. You yeah. Know? It's, uh, the LCD screen is, is, is breaking down. And like Addison said, so we, you know, we, I think, I don't remember the exact number, but let's say like 10, 12,000, you know, Addison had raised this, this money that enabled us to go make the movie in New York. And so, you know, for a tiny micro budget, uh, you know, no permit, you know, guerrilla filmmaking thing on the streets, um, every day is costing you, you know, a couple thousand dollars and it's really precious and you don't have any real resources or anything. So we shot all day in New York and I go to eject the tape to put in a new tape, you know, you get an hour's worth of tape and you're doing your raw footage and stuff. And, um, I get an error that it's, the tape is being eaten and gosh, we would have lost, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of our footage and all these resources. I almost had a heart. It was like all Times Square. All the Times Square footage would have been lost. Yeah. And thankfully, it was just okay. Like, basically, the other scary thing was, you know, we didn't know whether or not the footage was safe until we drove it all the way back to Detroit because I have to, I have to run a, 
Mac Mini with a FireWire because it doesn't even have USB. That my camera predates USB, like literally. So um, it, yeah, that was really scary. But thank God, all the footage was was totally safe. Um, I think there's some pixels here and there in some yeah, footage. There's, there's but two. I think it just adds to the overall aesthetic of the fact that hey guys, this is a really cheap movie and we shot it on tape. So you're gonna get some flaws. You know, you're gonna get your fair share of flaws. Uh, so the pixels don't bother me at all. But I would have been obviously devastated if we lost all that time. Yeah, Greg, are you telling Greg? Are, are you telling me that saying that all the way back to Detroit, you didn't know whether that that footage was saved? Yep, correct. I mean, I was I. I, think I thought it was like okay, <laughs> but yeah, we didn't. Ha I didn't have any confirmation until I we I got all the way back. To, Literally after we dropped you guys off at the hotel and I got back to my house and started loading it in the first thing when I got in the door and I, I, I sighed in relief that it was all fine. And like Edison said, I mean, I don't remember the number. I think we probably shot um, like 30 hours of raw footage or something like that. Uh, which is, you know, kind of, honestly, which is kind of low for a, for a feature. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, there's only two scenes in the movie where you actually see digital artifacts, um, like from the tape, uh, which was somewhat surprising because of the age of the camera and stuff. What but, are digital uh, artifacts? I have no idea what you're talking like about. Just, um, like, like just pixels. Graphic, yeah, glitchy looking fuzz on the, on yeah. The, like, it's not really pixels because it's on a tape, but it's like the tape had gotten screwed up, you know, in the gears. Mm -hmm. And so now you see, if you look, if you look close enough, you will see them. But I mean, it's not so glaringly obvious. Like there so is like some. Like you said, it adds to the effect of, you know, you're watching yeah. a VHS movie. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was one of the things that helped us is that shooting the entire film on mini DV. A lot of people are probably try to and, try to redo that, it, uh, uh, you know, digitally and can't do it. So. Right. Exactly. Yep. Most people would film digitally with HD, like 4k cameras now and go backwards and add filters. Right. I didn't want to do that. And that's why that's one of the reasons why I was like, Hey man, like let's use your camera and we'll film hectic or uh, we'll film Psychowave, the same camera you used to film hectic and it'll look the same, but this one will just be in color. And uh, you know, It'll still just Most have of that. It will be in color. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it, yeah. Um, but it'll still have that really like that. that it was just that look that is what I, I thought would help, you know, make the movie achieve the kind of look that I wanted for it. You know, like this shot on video movie that may have, you know, come from the 90s or something. And, uh, you know, like if it was shot in 4K, I don't know if it would have had the same effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, I should add really quick along those lines, you know, big shout out to uh, Jason Ewert, who's oh uh, Great. Uh, the other member of the little cycle team. He um, is, has been in Minnesota this whole time. We're helping us remotely, but he's the one that um, put together the teasers in the very beginning when we barely had any footage. And those really helped uh, kind of define the look and the aesthetic. He's the one that, um, you know, made the opening crawl, have the VHS look on it. And uh, he, he did some really brilliant things. There's that shot when um, we pull out and we reveal that we're in Times Square. He's the one that added the Las Vegas style uh, sign that says like, welcome to New York. I mean, that's obviously not really there. He added that in. Mm -hmm. um, he did a lot of the blood stuff that's in there. Um, 
just some of the special effects stuff that I like couldn't really do or did, you know, it just was too hard for me to do. Um, he added the disco ball filter to the slumber party. So he did a lot of uh, stuff and really helped um, with the look of the whole, whole the opening scene too with the cops. I mean, that's all him, but the police lights and all that stuff. Yep. I mean, yep. none of that yep. was on set, you know, like we didn't have yeah. flashing police lights in the background. He the was lights in. that we had in the movie you see on camera during like the slumber party scene. And then they get recycled during like the bathtub scene and you can see them clear as day. They're right there. But anything like digital later is what Jason added. Yep. He also did all the artwork. So he did the DVD mm -hmm. artwork uh, that will be coming out. All the posters, all the teaser trailers. That's 100% him. Yeah. Yeah. I love actually all the poster art. The DVD. Yeah, I saw the, the uh, cover art recently. <clears throat> did a great job with that. Great job. What were you about to say, Bill? I, I just said the DVD art is great. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope we get to, 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 to get those DVDs to, to give to people or to mm -hmm. buy from people. Well, yeah. along those lines, what, what, are, what are the plans to release the movie? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a work in progress. I mean, uh -huh. we... That, that artwork was just literally finished, what, two, three days ago. And um, so now that we have the artwork, we can move forward with actually pressing DVDs. But that's going to take, that's going to be the matter of like uploading the file to this website and then uploading the artwork and you know, ordering 200 copies. And then that's going to get sent to us. So we're still looking at about probably like, you know, three to four weeks maybe of turnaround until we have DVDs. It just takes a long time to, you know, Get this stuff. Is there any plan to do? Uh, I know festivals now are virtual, but was there any plans to do festivals? Oh, yeah. Festivals for sure. I've got a whole bunch of them bookmarked. Um, unfortunately, these festivals they're not happening. You know, until yeah. like next summer, next fall, they've already happened for the year. And so, you know, we're going to be you know submitting this movie that uh, by the time these festivals happen it will already have been out for a little while, but, and it's still, it still would be cool to get it into some festivals and stuff. So uh, it's in the process of being uploaded to Amazon uh, as we speak as well. Yeah, that too. Oh. It'll be on Amazon prime soon. Oh, well, oh good. Yeah. The DVDs is just a whole other beast. How soon would that be? Did you have any idea? It'd be literally by hopefully uh, the, like the, the end of this week or early next week. Oh, wow. That's great. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tristan, you have another question? Bill, you've had such an esteemed career that spans so many years, and I think a lot of artists would aspire that. I'm wondering um, if you can uh, mention how you think you achieved that. That was to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I started out as a, as, a, as a comedy writer and a songwriter, and uh, I got to, to write for a lot of uh, stars like Lily Tomlin and Carol Channing and Stella and Mira and Dick Sean and a lot, lot, of, lot of folks. But then uh, somewhere along the line, um, I had a writing partner that I had met in school. We went through college and we came to New York. We were writing comedy songs and somebody asked us to do it in, in a cabaret and we did and we got good reviews and a, a great manager who, who met, was, was Woody Allen's manager too. And uh, <clears throat> then we, I, we had another member to our group we 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 got into business theater or, or industrial theater you know doing sales shows for fortune magazine and other <laughs> fortune 500 companies and then um one day i decided you know i'm sick of this i want to become an actor 
and I saw a casting notice for this movie that sounded very weird, and it was called K Man, <laughs> K hyphen Man, and I, I, the description just sounded like trauma, I, and I, I was already in love with the, the Toxic Avenger, so I said I'm going to submit for this thing and see what happens. I submitted for it, and I got it, and uh, then, then I became an actor, and I, I, I was in the final cast of a musical called The Fantastics, which was the longest-running show in the history of the American theater. It closed in its original production in 2002, and I was in the last year and a half. And then I've been doing lots of stuff and other movies, and it's, it's, just, it's one of those things that I, I reinvented myself several times. And, and I'm still, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. It's just amazing. And I got to work with these wonderful people. This was this this was honestly one of the most fun projects I've ever worked on. It really was. I mean, you, you don't meet people in one project that you like as much as I like everybody on the screen. Even Trisha, I don't know, but she seems great. I like you just gave you a compliment. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but 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 I mean, we got we we had so much fun doing this project. I did. I even got to. To film an audition with cancer, she she had an audition. Remember, I we we read that audition together. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, and uh, and it was it was an amazing uh, experience. And I think that comes, you know, I think that feeds into the movie. I think that I think that the uh, I think the movie benefits from the fact that we had a lot of fun making it. It just has an. I energy. think it definitely comes through. Yeah, it has an energy that you cannot um, buy. You, you you can't manufacture that. And I think that's Addison. I think it's Greg. And I think it's uh, the casting. And it's just it's just a lot of fun. I think the movie's going to have a lot of fans. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It was really fun. Yeah. I read all that. <laughs> Kansas, you know, like Bill's saying, it was a lot of fun making the movie. What did you think, you know, one thing, it's making the movie and you think it's a lot of fun, but then you actually see the movie all put together, edited together. You know, what did you think of it? Um, I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out because, I, I mean, I'm, we're really only in like half of it, so I didn't know what the other stuff was going to be like. And That was something I was kind of wondering myself. Like, Greg's cutting the movie, and I'm thinking, well, they're only in like, you know, this these parts. What the hell are they going to think of the rest of the stuff that we filmed without <laughs> them? And that was something I was just kind of like, I hope they like it. You know, I hope they like the rest of this movie stuff because they're not here for it. Or they weren't here for it. So, yeah, I was just, I'm glad that you guys liked the rest of it and not just like the stuff that you were a part yeah. of. Or just fast forward over that. Like, I'm not in this scene. Oh, that, that, was, that, was the, that was the wonderful thing. I mean, Kansas and I were in, the, like you said, about half the movie. And I, I, knew, I, I knew we had a lot of fun, but I, I never dreamed, really never dreamed the movie would be as funny as it is. It is just, it, like that scene... The Ratatouille scene was just an example. I was watching the Ratatouille scene, okay, and I'm thinking, what is this about? And it was like, <laughs> came out of nowhere. By the end of that scene, I was laughing so hard, I was almost falling out of the chair. It was so funny. And that was just one example. I mean, there was the newscasters and the, and the, and the scenes in the park with Dylan and Amanda, and it was just, everything was so weird and hysterical and off the wall. It was just exactly what I think it should have been. Uh, and, of course, I enjoyed 
my own performance in Kansas is performance too. I did. I mean, I can't, I can't be objective about it, but you know, I think we were wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's a good quote for like the DVD or the poster. I yeah, think not- I think we were wonderful in the movie. <laughs> Quote Bill Whedon. <laughs> I thought I was great. Yeah. I'm really good in this. Quote Bill. Don't tell me actors are not narcissistic, because I know they are. <laughs> you were. We got so lucky. We, I mean, with everyone. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, we obviously got so lucky with Kansas and Bill, and they were just amazing. And, and like Edison was saying, they um, – you know, improv lines and made stuff up that was just hilarious. Like, you know, I think we should shout out that uh, Bill wrote his own rap uh, for the, in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Incredible. I think uh, um, it's just his songwriting, their background came through. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, Kansas had tons of great jokes that, I, that were so funny to, to put in and everything. But, um, and then beyond them, the newscasters who honestly, again, they're, they're real local actors and stuff. So they, they are in stuff. But then there's a lot of people too, um, that are uh, non-actors um, that just like showed up, you know, that sometimes drove themselves or flew themselves like halfway across the country. Uh, to yeah. Do this thing, um, that, like those uh, people don't really, yeah. we don't really shout out to them as often just because, I mean, they literally, for, I, like, I put out on Facebook, like, Hey, if anybody wants to come and get killed in psycho eight, you know, we film every Thursday because we, we dubbed that Psycho Ape Thursdays and we worked on the movie every Thursday for like six to eight months. And that's what I said to people. If you want to come be in the movie, come on a Thursday. You know, I gave them my address and they would show up to our apartment and we would go kill them outside with, you know, caro syrup and bananas. Um, so a lot of the people that you see get like their heart ripped out or um, leg chopped off by a banana. I mean, those were just people that showed up for a single day, but they drove from either like Tennessee um, like Indiana and uh, one person flew oh, with Rochester, New York, uh, Rochester, New York, Ohio, uh, like you said, Tennessee. Yeah, they were uh, from all over the um, Again, Steve, too. We got to, we can't the forget. lady came from Las Vegas, the Suzanne who gets the bowl full of banana jello in her face. She flew from Las Vegas to Detroit for a single day just to film that scene. And like, she brought all her own Jello mix and all this stuff, and then just went back home. Like we filmed with her for about an hour. Jello, I like that. She brought her own Jello, and it was like cans of other stuff that we didn't even use because she was like, "Well, if the Jello doesn't read on screen, then I've got this other, you know, canned gelatin that we could substitute." And it's like, "Wow, I mean, you went above and beyond here." Um, you know. Scott, as the banana guy. Yeah, Bob Colicott, he came from uh, Rochester, New York, just to film with us for a day. He brought his own banana suit, and he brought those googly eyes and that fake stretchy tongue. He just showed up with a box of stuff. And Adrian came in, and Daniel Koo. <laughs> well, we filmed with them when we were in New York, but, I mean, they, they allowed us to, you know, bloody up their clothes and everything like that and just, you know, ditched their stuff on the side of the street, and we, you know, took off. Yeah, and I just wanted because uh, the friends of those uh, Dylan and Amanda, uh, their delivery was very good in the movie. I thought they were amazing. Yeah, they were amazing. Almost every bit of dialogue from them is 100 percent improvised. I don't think we ever told them to say anything. No, that is just. I think that they they that's the most improvised in the whole thing because we literally just probably walked around that park. I think it's uh, I don't remember what park it is, but. Um, we walked around that park in New York filming for like maybe 20 minutes straight and they just, they just 
said all that and it just got cut down that's that's, yeah there's there's still more i mean there's more footage of them just walking around and talking but yeah greg cut it down to what it is now but it was you know probably double that you know dylan's a genius (laughs) we should shout out to you know dylan is actually a a filmmaker in her own right and and Mm -hmm. makes great films and Mm -hmm. uh i think has something coming out that i think kansas is in uh that's coming out i think soon Uh um and yeah, she's a brilliant filmmaker herself, and uh, and Amanda's a great actress. They're, they were phenomenal. They were absolutely amazing. And those scenes are so John Waters. They, 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 to me, they're the most yeah. John Waters. Uh, and that's all so. them. That's just literally Greg filming them, just having conversation based on, hey guys, there's an ape running around New York, go. You know? And they I, just... I shot a a short film with Dylan, directed by Hectic Knife himself. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I told you about that, Greg? Yeah, yeah. It didn't go too well, did it? I I owe my life to Dylan. She saved my life. (laughs) When he says Hectic Knife, he means Peter Litvin, who plays... uh, Oh, oh, I thought he was referring to you, I see. No, I I mean Peter Litvin. He, he, Hmm. He directed this thing, and I fell off... They, I, I was lying on something like an ironing board or something, I don't know, and it collapsed. And oh, I wow. fell on the back of my head, and Dylan was there, and thank God she was, like, so great. I guess, uh, but it, and I, I've never seen the film. <laughs> <laughs> but, Might bring but back bad memories world. of falling off the, the ironing board. The small world. Yeah. Uh, something suave wants to know, are there any deleted scenes that you wish that you included in the film? Uh, I think Greg did a good job in cutting out what we needed to, like, it was more, I mean, there's not straight up scenes, you know, it's more just more extra footage and anything Greg cut to make the pacing better. I was all for it. You know, I think early on we decided that this movie should not be any longer than like 70 minutes because you don't want it to overstay. I think it's welcome. That's, yeah. Cause I, I've seen movies that are fun. And uh, but you do think like this? It shouldn't mm-hmm. be a ninety-minute movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, ninety minutes for something like this is way too long. So I think we set the bar at seventy, and we ended up with sixty-four, which I think is perfect. I mean, the movie itself is like an hour. So for for fifty-nine minutes and thirty seconds, you just get like a barrage of silly jokes and uh, you know blood and guts, and it's just this weird thing that you can sit there and watch for an hour and then move on. The funny thing I mean, is, you, know, you really feel like you've seen a feature film. It's not. Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem like yeah, that it doesn't feel like a short. short or anything. It, it really feels yeah. full. It really feels like to me, a movie. It, it's take an hour and you pack it full of as many jokes and like kill scenes and stuff like that as possible. Make it more dense with content rather than stretch it out. Because I mean, Greg and I, we used to come back from these conventions with movies from all kinds of people. And we would just kind of watch them and think like, these are just so long and see scenes are stretched out. And, you know, it's just, you know, they would have been better had like an editor stepped in and just started eviscerating the film and cut it down like by half, you know, and then it would have been a better, you know, it would be, wouldn't be, would have been better as a short. But um, so that was just something that we had in the back of our heads. Like if we're going to set out to make this movie, you know, it's got to be short because it's, it's such a stupid thing. It's such a dumb movie that, uh, you don't want that to wear too thin and get on people's nerves and just get in, get out, get it over with, pack it full of jokes and movie parodies and just, you know, that's it. That's the movie. 
And, uh, and I know Edison keeps keeps describing the movie as dumb, but actually it's... Well, it is dumb. In my opinion... And I it's designed to be dumb. Yale, it's very smart. <laughs> <laughs> smart in a dumb way. It's, yeah, uh, well, that's another great quote for this. How long is uh, Schlock? It's like, not, it's like 70 minutes, probably. And yeah. I think, and it feels I mean, like it's two hours. Right, well, yeah, because even Schlock is uh, really padded out by like literally like footage from the blob. And like all these really long-winded scenes that make it feel super long and kind of frankly boring. Um, yeah, I think just that's what Edison was saying exactly. Is sort of um, we didn't even at sixty-four minutes we didn't want it to feel like it's. Dra- I mean, I think honestly, obviously, there's people that have complained about the Ratatouille thing being too long, which I kind of like. That doesn't bother me. But um, no, yeah. Um, I mean, I echo everything that Edison was saying for sure. And I, and I, Bill, I appreciate that very much. I mean, look in the opening uh, scroll that bill that you uh, deliver so well, you call it, you know, the dumbest, cheapest movie ever made or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, what did you say? Dumb, but smart, dumb or something. I think that's. uh, Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not a, it, it is a dumb movie, dumb in that sense, but it's not dumb. It's, it's, it's very hip. Very hip. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Chris, another question? What's next for all of you guys? What else are you working on? Hmm. We'll start with Bill. What are you working on? Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to be I've, – I've done a short film, which is being released very soon, called Full Throttle Paradise. It's going to be really great. It's, it's written and directed by – a guy named Nick De Simone, with whom I traveled to South Korea last year to do his play. He's a brilliant playwright, and I'm and he's rewritten the play we did in Korea. He's expanded that, and we're going to do that as soon as we can get on a stage. Uh, and as I said, the the movie that Michael uh, Epstein and Sophia Casiola have made, uh, the ones in Future Smash, that Nick is. I'm sorry, Neil is the co-producer of. And I think that's going to be awesome when they get it done. And um, what else? Oh, I, I'm reading audiobooks. I, I'm reading audiobooks by a very famous mystery writer named Lawrence Block, uh, who, who, who does a series called, uh, uh, based on a detective named Matthew Scudder. His most famous book is Eight Million Ways to Die, which was made into a really bad film. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah the, the book is in New York they moved it to LA and that was the worst mistake they could make uh, but anyway I'm reading my wife and I are reading audiobooks, and, and we're reading a couple that he wrote way way back in his career when he was writing under a pseudonym and they are so hot and sexy and saturated <laughs> you wouldn't believe the things we are talking about <laughs> And the words we say, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. They, they, they outdo Psycho Ape. <laughs> I'm, so anyway, that's, this, yeah. I'm doing that too. Uh, Greg, what are you working on? Uh, yeah, so um, like we were saying at the beginning, I'm moving out to LA. Um, I lived in New York for a bunch of years when I was younger. I'm finally going to make it to, to LA and I'm excited about that. Um, I have a short um, that uh, Kansas has agreed to be in that I'm excited oh. to film that with her when I get out there, hopefully um, soon. And I've been writing a lot and I want to, um, I want my next sort of, uh, you know, kind of DVX uh, DIY street film to be this thing called bad brain that I've been uh, 
playing around with. That's kind of a crazy um, comedy, uh, you know, anarchy kind of a, a movie. Um, but, you know, hopefully a, a step up from uh, the stuff I've done before. Um, and then I've been writing um, a movie with a friend of mine. So I have a couple of screenplays uh, going on. And, um, yeah, trying to just um, – Keep uh, writing and feature writing feature screenplays and getting a getting a you know a, a big feature off the grounds hopefully. Very cool. Uh, uh, Kansas. Um, I just finished uh, a feature film that should be coming out early next year. Um, writing and directing it, and I'm in pre-production for two two different other features that I don't know which one I'll do first, but working on both and then. You know, I'm always doing music videos. They're on my website if you guys want to check them out and acting and things sometimes. I don't know. I probably have things coming out soon. But <laughs> I don't know about Oh, I'm about to act in a movie in tomorrow. Oh, okay, I don't know very cool. if I can say anything about it yet, but so I don't know why I brought that up. But, you know. well, that reminded <laughs> me that, uh, like, the fact that you signed on to the film without even reading a script. We never even sent you, I don't think, the outline. You were just, yes. The name do is pretty intriguing, yeah. Yeah, I, I just remembered that. Like, we, we barely had an outline even written. And it's like, hey, Kansas, do you want to be in this movie? And you said yes, just because, like, okay, Greg's going to be involved and Bill's going to be involved. And so that was another thing. Like, once we started shooting, it was like, when we were rolling, it was like, these people don't know what we're going to be filming today. And that's kind of part of the fun of the movie too, I think, is that, you know, every day was kind of a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I trusted Greg because, you know, Hector Knife is so good. So it was like, you know, I'm in good hands. It's uh, I'll do whatever you dudes want. <laughs> uh, what are you working on, Addison? Um, I just, uh, finished oh i i'm doing sort of like pre-production on um i used to do this show called troll masterpiece theater mm -hmm. and it was like a mystery science theater type moving riffing show uh for trauma but um not licensing movies from trauma anymore and so i'm rebranding it and calling it roast masterpiece theater instead and it's essentially i play a movie theater usher and i have uh, two puppet companions. One's a talking box of popcorn named Corny, and the other talking puppet is a is called Really. And you know, we sit at the bottom of the movie screen and heckle movies. But uh, because movies are expensive to license, um, I'm rebranding the whole show from the ground up. Where instead of licensing like pre-existing movies and writing riffs for them uh, for the entire feature. Um, the characters within the show, me as a movie theater usher and corny, and really, we're going to be developing our own sort of like do-it-yourself schlocky horror films and kind of like riffing on our own work. Sort of like, it'll be different kind of riffing where instead of riffing on a pre-existing movie and like making movie references and calling out how bad the film is or whatever, it'll be sort of a peek behind what it's like to be like an editing bay of like, you know, of like, you know, looking over Greg's shoulder, like when he's cutting a film or something like that. And, uh, so it'll be a different kind of movie riffing show where these characters build their own schlocky films and then poke fun at their own uh, like choices of, you know, dialogue and acting. And, Instead of making uh, fun of the movie, we're making fun of Greg. Well, it, you know, something like that, yes. Yeah. But um, 
Like that's essentially the core idea of it is that they make their own movie like as the characters and it's like a backyard Frankenstein movie, you know, for no money. And then they sit there and watch the completed feature uh, and we're as the audience sort of watching them watch the movie that they kind of made sort of like like Johnny Depp and Ed Wood, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, you know, all the scenes where he should well, the like movie, Will Monster. the movies also be, be released as is as the movie or yeah. will that be the only yeah. version of the movie? Like on the DVD, I'll have like the Rift version with the characters poking fun of their own film. And then I'll have the unripped version. But the unripped, I mean, I'm only aiming for like another like 50 minute feature, 60 minute feature for like the thing that they make. Because it will be of poor quality. And it won't be like designed to be like a super meta funny film like Psycho Ape is. Like the jokes aren't going to be built into the movie. It's just that it's going to be like a schlocky low budget like Frankenstein movie. Like I just raised money for a Kickstarter. I'm going to go buy Frankenstein props and stuff like that. And uh, and they are just going to riff on their own silly movie. Well, it'll look silly. It, it's just that it w- the movie itself won't have like meta fourth wall breaking jokes and stuff like that. It'll, be, it'll just be different. Interesting. And Steve, I'm sorry we didn't get to you more often. What are you working <laughs> uh, on? Are you involved in the in in this one? Yes. Uh, yeah. I for they're putting you in a Frankenstein suit. Episode two. I do the puppeteering and voice. Oh, nice. Really. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, another uh, one of our friends uh, is Corny. Um, and, yeah, I'm tagging along for the ride for Roast Masterpiece, uh, Cult of Frankenstein. Um, and I, I'm not a director or, like, actor myself like like Baylor, Kansas is. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm just fortunate enough to uh, tag along for the ride. Yeah. He's, he's good for bouncing ideas off of, too, and, you know, coming up with funnier stuff. Like if I, you know, have an idea for something, I might run out in the living room and be like, hey, does this sound funny? Does this sound good? And he'll suggest something and it'll be better now. So, uh, you know, he's uh, an actor, friends, you know, someone I can collaborate with as well. Very cool. He definitely came up with some good stuff that's in Psycho. Right? We should definitely mention Oh, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, he wrote the whole scene. For sure. And he wrote some good, some good stuff. He wrote entire scenes. Like a, a whole, whole scenes were him. Uh, like uh, the whole scene that's kind of like the the girl walking down the street with the books and uh, she punches the ape in the face, clocks him out, knocks him to the ground. And then, she, you know, she gets stomped on. That was all him. And funny enough, that's the only banana slip uh, like kill <laughs> that we have in the entire thing. It's like, like, why didn't we have more of that? I don't know. But like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We got one in there. We got one, but we I think initially we set out to do like 20 or 30, like almost to the point of absurdity, but we just never got around to it. It's just the banana slip was one and done. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, the other one uh, was uh, the, the two guys who died from eating poisoned banana splits. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are actually my brothers. Yeah, you see in the end credits, it says Steve's brothers. Those are actually his <laughs> brothers. Uh-huh. And they, you know, he wrote that whole concept of, uh, you know, them eating poisoned uh, ice cream in the middle of the park. And yeah, so, I mean, he may have been the ape, but he wrote some scenes too. I also like their character names, Ice Cream Liker and Ice yeah. Cream Lover. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, was that Greg's idea? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. All yeah the, I, I like those. Those were funny. That, yeah. That's Greg. That, Oh, Greg great. came up with the names. Yeah, all the silly names in the end credits. Like yeah, I love the opera too. <laughs> yeah. Even in the end, when they uh, uh, when they're shown at the end montage of like where they are now, it just says Steve's brothers, and 
I didn't want to correct that at all because that's just so funny. There's just like no further backstory. Mm-hmm. Just they're Steve's mm-hmm. brothers. No yeah. No it was as funny as is, so leave it. <laughs> so funny. Uh-huh. Uh, Bob Coldicott says hello from the chat room. Bob was awesome. Yeah, he's I'm so glad I got to meet him and become friends and stuff. And yeah, he's the one that drove out from uh Buffalo, New York and brought the banana suit and the googly eyes and yeah he was really fun to to work with and i love that scene and and yeah yeah hi bob <laughs> very cool well psycho ape uh you said it'll be out uh, on amazon prime sometime in the near future hopefully within like the next week yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to lock down a complete sure. date because you know, yeah, no, you know greg yeah. i know he's packing up and getting ready to move so texting him every day about it doesn't do anything it's just you know it's it'll be on amazon prime when it's on amazon prime and you know making dvds the dvds will exist when they're ready you know so to say like november 1st yeah no that's fine but is there a place to follow like uh to, to, to to get updates uh, just all of our Facebooks. I mean, like I update stuff and I tag everybody. And, you know, when you tag somebody that appears on their Facebook too. So you can follow any one of us on, you know, Facebook or social media and you'll, you'll see something. Bill actually has been one of the biggest pioneer, uh, one of the biggest like voices for the film. Yeah. Even before we had a finished cut, he was promoting it. And it was like, whoa, wait, wait it's not done yet. It's not done yet. <laughs> He's too very early. proud of it. He's proud of his work. Yeah, well, I didn't know at that point how proud I was going to be. I, I hadn't seen the movie. When I saw the movie, then I really got uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was promoting the film before having even seen the final cut. He was just like, hey, it's coming, yeah. it's coming. It's like, wait, 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 hold on, man. Like, it is coming, sure, but I don't know when, you know. Yeah, was, you haven't even seen it yet. Very pushy. You had to build yeah. anticipation, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kansas bossy and pushy. <laughs> <laughs> That could have been your uh, your IMDb credits or being uh, like uh, pushy and bossy, but pushy and bossy. Yeah, this is very fun. I appreciate everyone being on. Hey, thanks for the invite. For us. Yes, glad to be here. Nice to see everybody again. Good to see y'all. And, uh, good luck on Psycho Eight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Neil. And thanks everyone for watching. And Tristan, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whedon. Uh, that's right. Bill Whedon uh, from Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. I'm here wearing my Without Your Head t-shirt, drinking from my Without Your Head cup. I, 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 you may not know that I'm going to be in a movie that's coming out fairly soon, produced by the head honcho of Without Your Head, Mr. Neil Jones. Anyway, I'm here not to promote movies, but to get you to go out and vote. Now, you may not know it, but when I made Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD back almost 30 years ago, even then, that character, that hateful, villainous character, was based on Donald Trump. Now, not to say I'm not here to, you know, tell you who to vote for, but uh, that villainous, horrible character was based on Donald Trump, just incidentally. But my main purpose here is to get you to vote, no matter who you vote for. No matter who you vote for, go out and vote. Uh... I'm not voting for Donald Trump, but you can vote for whoever you want to. Just get out and vote. This is the most important me- this is the most important election of our lifetime, and the reason is we want to get Trump out of there. But go out and vote for whoever you vote for. This is Bill Whedon saying, vote.
From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. We should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night! Mostly! 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night!